Hello, everybody. Um, I originally trained as a secondary school biology teacher, and I was going to give you some notes, but I know what you'll do. You'll sit and you'll read the notes. Um, so I'm not going to do that. I don't have PowerPoints. I'm just going to uh, do it without any PowerPoint, but I will leave the notes over here for you to get afterwards if you want them, okay? So... Andrew, where's Andrew sitting? Right here. You are such a blessing to God's church. Well, didn't, wasn't that just wonderful? Just uh, your unique way of opening the scriptures. And um, somebody said earlier, how do you say so much in so few words? <laughs> you know, it's so true. Every word just counts. And uh, I just really sensed God speak. And um, our team from Jubilee were looking at each other. And making notes and saying, "Oh, we need to remember this. This is this is this is key." So, thank you, Andrew, and uh, to the the Gateway guys. Wow, you're really showing us incredible love, and uh, you have set the bar very high. Uh, so, I don't know who hosts next, but they're in trouble. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody asked me if I like heckling. I don't like heckling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start with a few, a few questions that would just help me here. Um, is it okay if I mix a number of terms this morning? Uh, Matt asked me to speak on how we pastor people and to lean into pastoring other pastors, which you know Andrew's covered and uh, I think Tom and Laura will cover as well in, in some ways. But could I mix terms like pastoring people, pastoral care, caregiving, shepherding? All those things today mean pretty much the same thing. Is that okay for me to do that? Okay. Uh, who in this room, I'd like you to put up your hands, who pastors people or who cares for people at any given time? Is it, I'd like to see some hands, okay? Actually, maybe the other way is better. Is there anybody here who never has to pastor or care for anybody? <laughs> put up your hand. You are indeed blessed, I was going to say. <laughs> We all have to pastor people at very various times. We pastor ourselves uh, as well. Um, I, I'm no expert in pastoring. And uh, yesterday, um, as we were talking about this, uh, Ben reminded me of a, a number of real bad pastoral moments that I've had. And uh, one of them he mentioned, um, I'm just giving you an opt-out clause. You can tell me to go and sit down. and You don't want to hear anything that I've got to say after this. But... But a, a wonderful woman, she got saved in her 80s uh, in our church and uh, just so passionately in love with Jesus. And one morning she asked me uh, and a friend, would you pray for me? I've got frozen shoulder. I haven't been able to lift my arm above that height uh, for months and months. And uh, with uh, not too much faith, to be honest, uh, my friend and I laid hands on her and we prayed. And the reason I didn't have much faith is because I also had uh, a, a shoulder that I'd been praying for for ages that wasn't getting fixed. And as we laid hands on her, she raised her arms, and it was like just this beautiful picture. And then she said something really interesting. She said, I'm so glad that my shoulder's fixed because I can raise my arms to Jesus. As an 80-year-old baby Christian, the reason I wanted my shoulder fixed is so that I can worship God with my hands raised. And then she said, and I want to be able to serve tea and coffee, which I haven't been able to do. So she gets really ill. This is just before she actually dies. She's with the Lord now. And uh, I go to visit her in hospital. I'm really rubbish in hospitals. Uh, just, I'm not pastorally good there. So I'm standing with her, and we're having a bit of a laugh. 
And as I look at her monitor, uh, which is showing her heartbeat, it suddenly flatlines while I'm standing there. So I have a, like a minor panic. I know what this means. And I just turned to Irene. I said, Irene, your heart's flatlined. I think you're dying. <laughs> In fact, I think it was worse. I think I actually said to her, truthfully, I think I said, I think you're dead. <laughs> How not to pass the people. What I then discovered after we called all the medical staff in was that they had a control panel in this sort of central area of the uh, uh, ICU, and they just switched the monitor from her monitor to the other one, and the default setting, which I think is really stupid, is that it's a flat line. You know, just got a blank screen. I mean, anyway, so. Do I sit down or do I carry on? <laughs> and then one last question. Who's feeling tired from pastoring? Few of us. Sure. You know, I'm, uh, this last 15, 16, 18 months for us has been really tough. My father died. Uh, it was really sad. I wasn't able to get out to go and see my mum. Still haven't been able to get out to South Africa. Um, I was diagnosed with a melanoma. Had to have surgery to remove uh, cancer. All good. And then in January, Louise's dad died. So with that, just pastoral load, loads of extra stuff, just decision fatigue. You know, getting home and Louise says, what would you like for dinner? <laughs> I'm sick and tired of making decisions. I still want to know, just choose for me, you know? And uh, I think some of you would be able to relate to that. And God's grace and strength, I've just been so aware of it. It's incredible to keep us going. And we dig deep. We press on, I owe the, everything to the plot of God. We know all of those things. But I felt very tired. I'm doing okay, but I've run out of nice. You know, I just, I've run out of nice and patience and some of the things that I've had in abundance and they've just sort of disappeared. And um, In fact, my pastoral gift, I've been saying to our team over and over, it just seems to be diminishing and the gift of grumpiness seems to be growing and <laughs> cynicism and all those other gifts that we don't really want, you know? It's true. So uh, I just felt that the Lord lead to me this morning to just have a conversation. I, I tried really hard to get it into a passage like Andrew did so beautifully this morning and to do an exegesis, but I just felt I was trying to wangle as many points into a passage of Scripture. And on Wednesday, I thought, I'm just going to give you seven points Seven pointers, seven things conversationally um, that I think are important. Obviously, there are loads more than that. I guess what we're trying to do when we talk about pastoring people is we're caring for them, we're shepherding, um, we're helping people to connect with Jesus. We want all the time to point them to Jesus and to help them grow in their walk with God. And discipleship and sanctification and spiritual maturity are the things that we are aiming for. In Joshua chapter 1, uh, we read this. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all his people, into the land that I'm giving to them, the people of Israel. And God called Moses to lead the people into the land that he had promised them. And in a way, as pastors, that's what we are doing. We're caring for people to take them into everything that God has got for them. And so we sometimes have to put our agendas to the side, try and sense what is God saying for them. So my first of the, the points, 
is nothing new. I'm going to tell you, you know, all of these things. So maybe just reminders. I think God reminds us over. Jesus taught the same thing over and over and over because we need to hear them over and over again. The first point is that we need to live in the security of being loved by God. It's so important. Just, it always starts with God. He always makes the first move. I want to say we make the first move. No, no, no. God always makes the first move. How can we not love a God who loves us so much? I just want to say this morning, you are loved by God. It's been coming through in so many things this, this weekend. God loves you. And therefore, our, our walk with him is absolutely critical. We can't even think about pastoring and caring for other people if we're not prioritizing our walk with the Lord. And so many people have said to us, we've heard it even this weekend, people feel like they, they're drawing from the bottom of their tanks. You know, I don't know how much I've got left in reserve. But a friend who leads a large church in, a, in another denomination, he's a, he's a big guy, he, He's six foot three, something like that. And um, one of his claims to fame is that he captained two very prominent university rugby teams, their first rugby teams, okay? And so he's this big guy, strong, tough. And uh, he came off sabbatical just as COVID hit. So in March, he, he cut it short by a few weeks. And a few weeks ago, when we were talking and praying, he said to me, I just feel exhausted. I just feel exhausted. And then he said something interesting. He said, I, I just feel everything is joyless. I just, please, won't you pray for some joy? Now, it's an easy thing to pray for people because what are, what are the fruit of the Spirit? Joy. So we ask, Spirit of God, would you move on this man and give him some joy? And many of us would know other people who feel very, very similarly. As pastoral needs in the church have increased, so has our fatigue. And so they've, they've, they've just gone like this, and they've caused us some problems. And uh, it's more important than ever to prioritize our walk with God. Read uh, Johnny Car uh, uh, Carson, I'll, I'll mention, uh, he, he posted a, a post this week on Facebook about Spurgeon, and I've been reading quite a bit of biographies over this period of time. And uh, one of the things that Susanna Spurgeon said about her husband is, she said, I wish he had, he had taken his Wednesdays off. I didn't realize that. You know? So he had this amazing ministry, did phenomenal things, that, you know, incredible things for God. And then even that guy didn't take enough rest time, according to his wife. We're very busy doing good things, but we mustn't sacrifice the best for the good. We need to prioritize our walk with the Lord. And it's easy to forget just in the busyness of the day to prioritize that. We've, uh, Louise has just bought a, a hybrid car, and it's the first time we've had a, an electric. I just forget to charge the thing. So just as well, I, that's why I'm glad we haven't gone fully electric, because I'm used to putting petrol in, but this, this idea of plugging a car in just doesn't compute with me yet. And just, guys, we need to make sure we remember to plug in all the time. Last night was a plug-in moment for us, wasn't it? It was just wonderful, refreshing Time worshiping God together and Him just ministering to us. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. <laughs> we mustn't just say that, we must live it. Uh, we can preach it, we can teach it, but we've got to do it. And the second is just like it. What's the second commandment? Love your neighbor. So, my second point the first one is prioritize our walk with God. Second one is love people. Andrew. Mentioned, and Tom and Laura, I know, will as well. Love God, 
love people. Loving people is always easy. Um, it's never complicated in any way, shape, or form. Um, loving people is tough. It's tough. It can be hard work, and love always, always costs. But it's worth it. Like joy, love is a fruit of the Spirit. And so we can go to the Lord and say, Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm lacking a bit of love here. Won't you grow some of this? Uh, you know, like I love Andrew's thing. Let's get some compost and manure onto that and let's see some fruitful love growing. We can ask the Lord to do that. My very loose translation, my paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 13, far looser than Andrew's was uh, earlier. If you are a super tongue speaker, if you are spiritually multilingual and fluent, and everybody admires your tone and your accent, um, I also have a strange accent, uh, Johnny. How can, just as a quick aside, why can we not mock certain accents, but everybody can mock a South African? I just I don't understand it. I have my friends, university friends, phoning me up just randomly and putting on a stupid South African accent. I mean, how does that work, you know, for a sensitive person, you know? <laughs> if you are spiritually fluent, you're a super tongue speaker, but you don't have love, you're a noisy gong, you know? I preached this once, and I had a guy in our church just smacking a cymbal uh, in the congregation the whole way through my preach. It was very distracting preaching while it was happening, but it proved the point. There was a guy, he's uh, got Down syndrome, and he always falls asleep on Louise's shoulder. And he always sits next to Louise, and he always falls asleep somewhere during the preach. I'm okay with that. Um, wake up. Um, and, uh, but he falls asleep, and as the symbol went the one time, I mean, he literally took off. And uh, uh, don't be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If you are off the charts, 100% accurate all the time, super prophetic, you've never got it wrong, ever. You understand all mysteries, all knowledge. You've got all faith. In fact, you've got so much faith that you can move mountains and you have not love. You are nothing. Zilch. Zero. Nix. So I think we can say loving is pretty important to God. Just love people. And we mustn't do it, get this the wrong way around. We just love people, but it's interesting. When we love people well, then we can build a bridge that allows us to talk about some of the tougher stuff. But we start with love. But I don't love so that I've got a bridge. My motives must always be, I'm just going to love, and then let's just see what God does with that. Show people love in your own unique way. And we get stuck on love languages and all that kind of stuff. Just love people your way. Be you. Be authentic. If you try and we learn from each other, but just do it your way. And it's interesting just even watching how Louise and I show love to people, try and make a good team, is you show love differently. If I want to show somebody love, I do it in a particular way. Other people do it another way. People get it. And don't, don't overcomplicate it. It's often, 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 it's just the small things. It's the text. It's that call. It's that, that letter. We, we, too, have a collection of letters. Don't presume that people get letters. Write letters. Ask God to give you uh, the right people to send those encouragements to. 
somebody dropping off brownies last week when Louise and I had had a rough day. I preached a, a sermon and I just mentioned somebody in the church's garden and I said, oh, they've got the most beautiful garden. The next day she arrived with a rose for Louise and I each. What is she saying? I love you in her way. Matt Hosier has many gifts. I'm going to embarrass him for a moment. And I'm not sure where pastoral sits in your gift set. Um, there are lots of, lots of gifts, and I would, oh, Matt's brilliant, 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 brilliant. Man. But I want to tell you, when um, Louise's dad died, we received some bottles of wine. Now, you might say that's a bad thing, pastorally, if somebody's <laughs> mourning, and you send them some wine. I want to tell you, it just moved Louise deeply. Because we knew somebody cared, cost some money. I don't even know who sent it, but we knew that Matt and Grace and the, the Gateway team were thinking of us. I could go on and on and on and on. The fact that the winery was a South African winery called House of Fun, and uh, we got these bottles of wine, I thought, oh, there's enough relationship there to, to do that, and it was very, very meaningful. Love people your way, but it's, it's not just saying it, it's doing something. There's always some sort of action, love is a verb, that goes with it. Let's care for each other. Let's, I love Andrew's preach uh, uh, this morning of, of, of sending things, people and money and all those kind of things, but into places that you wouldn't normally think they, they fit together. We, we need to learn to do that, and maybe it's going to take some proactivity from us, and it might feel a little bit contrived initially, but let's just do it and see what God does amongst us. Love people. There's no out clause. Oh, I'm strategic. No, no, no. Love people. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm a pastor. Uh, I'm, I'm a preacher, teacher. I'm a theologian, whatever. We all have the role of loving people. Ben Davis um, used to pray something over me. He used to pray, God, would you give him a thick skin and a soft heart? <laughs> it's a great prayer to pray for people because when we pastor, when we love people in our churches, there's often hurt that comes, yeah. rejection, disappointment. How many people have you genuinely before the Lord, you've loved them so, so well? You've done just everything you possibly could to care for them. And then something small happens and they walk away and you part of the blame. Yeah, yeah. Hey? Thick-skinned and soft-hearted. God, would you help me in this season where I feel hurt and rejected? I just I don't want to love those people anymore. God, would you keep my heart soft? Third one, be real. As we live our lives openly and vulnerably, it allows people to be open and vulnerable with us. If we're not open and vulnerable, we don't get that from people in our congregations. You know, the, uh, uh, Johnny, Johnny's post about Spurgeon, he answered 500 letters a week, just by the way. I guess in that time it might have been more like emails, but he was very, very busy in, in those kinds of things. Obviously, he preached huge amounts, massive organizations as a result of his ministry. But he also suffered greatly. 
He, you know, they didn't talk about this all that time, but all the time. But he suffered from depression and from ill health. Um, he hated the cold. That's why he went to France. Please, Lord, may our elders know that that's a good place to go to <laughs> recover. And uh, but he told he told the congregations that he preached to. He told his students in Bible college the good, the bad, and the ugly of his life. He was an open book. And you might think, well, if you're open and vulnerable about those things, you lose credibility in preaching. I think it's quite the opposite. Spurgeon said this, This morning, being myself more than usually compassed by infirmities, I desire to speak as a weak and suffering preacher of that high priest who is full of compassion. And my longing is that any who are now low in spirit, faint, despondent, and even out of the way, may take heart to approach the Lord Jesus. Isn't that great? You go and stand up and you say that to your congregation. And then he says, Jesus is touched not with a feeling of your strength, but of your infirmity. Down here, poor feeble nothings affect the heart of our great high priest on high, who is crowned with glory and honor. As the mother feels with the weakness of her babe, so does Jesus feel with the poorest, saddest, and weakest of his chosen. That is great. And there were times when he would stand up to preach and he was unable to preach. From the age of 37 to 57, he could only preach a third of the sermons that he was meant to preach. They don't tell you that about Spurgeon all the time, do they? He said, to my great sorrow, last Sunday night I was unable to preach. I prepared a sermon upon this text with much hope of its usefulness. I came here feeling quite fit to preach when an overpowering nervousness oppressed me and I lost all self-control and I left the pulpit in anguish. That's Charles Spurgeon. More sermons written than the Encyclopedia Britannica put together. That's sad, but I find it in a bizarre way quite encouraging that such a a mightily used of God man would be so humble and so real and so open and that God could use him. We need to be real with each other and with our churches too. The fourth one, I'm going to have to cut through. What's my time? You better tell me what time I've finished. Doing okay? Could I have a tissue? Yeah, thank you. Sorry, you know what? Oh, I'm going to have to just tell everybody this. I, I cry, and, and it's a terrible South African thing. Thank you. No, it's not hay fever. Don't lie. Um, <laughs> I do have hay fever. But anyway, moving swiftly on. Um, just if you cry as a South African bloke, it's a terrible infirmity. But sometimes when the spirit moves on me, that's what happens. So... <laughs> Trying to see it in a good light. Okay. We passed there in team. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for team. You know, if we're married, I just want to encourage us this morning. Husbands and wives, we are team. Uh, we, we are team. We work, uh, and we've got to learn to work uh, really well together. Uh, Louisa's care and love for me, her pastoring of me in that sense, has been truly life-saving and life-enhancing. And how do we work together? Well, there's no... No list that I can give you because you've got to figure it out for yourself. We're all different. We're all unique. And we've just got to be relaxed in who we are. We learn from others, but we've got to be who we are. And working in team is so important. Um, you know, just uh, looking at um, Ben and Kat, who are part of our team at Jubilee, just having friends that we love and are, who love us in our churches that we work with is 
That's such a rich thing. You know, Matt talking yesterday about a guy doing it on his own. Oh, man. We're in team. We need to say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have team around us. If you don't have team, pray for it. Work hard for it. Then pastorally, we, we do need team structures. We need a, a pastoral care framework. And there are loads and loads of books. I can point you to some books. But at the end of the day, you've got to find your way of doing it because different sizes of churches, different locations, different groups of people all together, all the gift mixes, all those kind of things, those affect the way we do pastoral care. And they're going to differ from church to church. You're going to find your way. The interesting thing is that it just has to be tweaked all the time, you know, one year to the next, to the next, to the next. It's not a, okay, this is our model, and it's our model for 10 years. Things change, and we need to be flexible, keep asking God how to do it. So for us, um, our life groups are the main place that people get pastored, so we work really massively hard at that. We try and equip and train our life group leaders and people in our life group to pastor and care for each other. So that's our, our game plan. Um, and then we have, um, in our context, we have uh, a pastoral care coordinator. And uh, she's a gifted counselor herself, um, Joelle. Um, but her, we see her, she's like a triage nurse. And uh, people know in the church that she'll find the best person for a particular thing. Because often people want to go to, you know, um, lead elder and his wife, or you know, they have certain people that they're going to go to. And, and in our church, what we've tried to do is just spread that out, and uh, we've just found a really, really helpful model uh, for us. Training and investing people in people is so important. Yeah. You know, uh, we send somebody to Waverley Abbey to learn counselling within the church, a three years, four years course, um, and we paid for that so that we could. It was just gold to us as a church. Um, <laughs> you know this already because I've told you some, well, one of, one of my, I've got far worse than that pastoral stories and failures, but um, we don't have all the answers and uh, we can't deal with um, every person and, and, and sometimes there's just all sorts of reasons why you and a particular person are not going to be the best fit and, and that's why team is so important and being able to refer people uh, to other people in the team is really important. Um, just saying it, you know, every now and then there's, there's, there's someone, there's, there's one particular person who at the moment, I've just really struggled because we've been around the same bush over and over and over, and I've just run out of a little bit of faith for it and a little bit of hope, and to be honest, I'm just a little bit annoyed and I'm tired of it, and, uh, and so I said to Ben, Ben, can you please take the lead on this one, because I've just run out of mice on this, and, and so that's how we work in team. And so pro, you know, Ben would then proactively call that person up and try and deal with, with what I had been, you know? And I, I think that's important to realize that, you know, we don't want to be super spiritual about things. That's the reality for us. And then also, lastly, in, with, with regard to this, just refer people to professionals. Um, you know, I, I personally have found a, a professional Christian counselor massively helpful for me. And... Uh, I know a number of people uh, within Advance where church leaders have gone and spent time with a counselor where it's just been massive in unlocking things. Sometimes we get stuck, and it needs a really skilled person to help us work through things. Don't be afraid of Christian counselors, but go find a good one. And uh, for us as a church, we've only found two people that we would refer people to, and they just gold to us. And, um, and we will often, for people, we'll pay the bill um, not always, um, but uh, often we'll just say to the person, look, we've got this 
person who's going to see you, they don't even know what the transaction is financially, but Jubilee covers the costs. Five, the power of an outside voice. Andrew covered this. I'm just trying to skim what I leave out here. This is, I think, critical to our ministry, actually, having outside voices. We love our teams in our churches, but I think somebody coming in from outside is really, really super helpful. And this isn't just for an elder and an apostolic type person who comes and meets with the elder. Well, the reason that's meaningful and and you talk about strategy and church matters and it's all good, what we found really helpful was people who've come in as an outside voice, who've come into our home with our wife, with my wife and my daughters, and uh, just hanging around, laughing, crying, doing all the things that you do over a period of time. And I found that for us has been super, super helpful. So when Ben and Mo used to come uh, to Jubilee, um, ben would preach, and then afterwards they would come to our house and have lunch. And they'd hang around our kids and ask questions. And it allowed Ben at a later time to ask me far deeper relevant questions because he'd seen what was happening in the reality of our home. Lots of people like that. We've uh, got one particular friend, a guy called Terry uh, Fouchet, who uh, we've known for a very long time, and he does that with us in the most beautiful way. Um, and often what he'll do is he'll say to me, so Stuart, how's church going? How's life going? And I'll tell him everything, all the truth, 100%. And then he'd turn away from me, with me in the room, and he'd turn to Louise, and he said, Louise, could you tell me the reality of what's going on? How's the church? Because you know what? As pastors, it's always, yeah, that's cool. You know, we're strong, we're going good. And then Louise will say, well, actually, no, but there's this, 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 this. Oh, really? And then him and his wife do that with our girls. So important to have an outside voice. Most of you will be doing that. If you don't do that at the moment, I want to urge you to do that. And you've got to find those people, and then you've got to actually say to them, I give you permission. This is important. I give you permission to speak into my life. No holds barred. Six, we're people of the Word and the Spirit. We go back to the Bible. The Bible is so powerful. We've got to not just give wise words in caring. We've got to point people. We've got to teach them to go to the scriptures and to feed themselves and to find direction in life. We obviously preach and teach that on, our, on Sundays, but one-on-one we've got to be doing that. Point to scripture over and over and over. And as, believe, as, as, as leaders, we've got to believe the scriptures for ourselves in all of these things. And then we want to be full of the, uh, um, the word and the spirit, full on with both of those, okay? Did I say point six was word and spirit? Yeah. I did, eh? Okay. So the Spirit is so critical for us. I can't imagine how you would pass the care for people without the Holy Spirit. You know, we trust on the Holy Spirit for his gifts of wisdom and discernment. It's not just reading counseling books. It's trusting God for wisdom and discernment and words of knowledge. How many times has something been unlocked in a person's life because God's given you a word of knowledge? We need to trust him on those. Holy Spirit, our Parakletos, the one called in our comforter, our advocate. We need to trust him for ourselves, and we need to trust him in those that we are caring for. Holy Spirit, as this person is heart is aching and breaking, would you be their comforter? 
and trusting the Spirit to move in power. That's caring for people. How many times have you sat with somebody where you, you haven't had a word to say, you've just, we've had, it's a terrible situation, people losing children, things like that, and you just sit and you cry with them. You don't, what are you going to say? What a privilege to be able to lean into the Holy Spirit. You know, the best training, the wisest principles, the most effective procedures that we can set up in our, in our game plan, this is the way our church works, those things can break down in the reality of pastoral situations. You will look at it and say, Holy Spirit, help! And we know he will. Last point, seven. Pray, pray, pray. The best thing that we can do for our people, they won't even see us do most of the time. We just pray for them. And we need to teach them how to pray. Teaching people how to pray is a very important thing that we need to do in helping and caring for them. As leaders, just the challenge, don't tell people you're going to pray for them and not pray for them. It's so easy. We do, I'll pray for you. <laughs> you know, the other day, Louise was uh, talking to me, and she just said, she said, you know, we now have a prayer emoji, and people are sending prayer emojis all the time. Does that really mean you're going to pray for them, or is that just a quick thing that you just send to somebody? I thought, oh, yeah, it's true. You know, I, am I really? If I, and I, I send prayer emojis all the time. Well, if I send that prayer emoji, then I've got to, I've got to pray for that person, <laughs> not just quickly send a prayer Emoji. I, on my weekly task list, this is just the way I do it because I, I forget things if I don't write them down. Um, every week I, I sit on a Monday morning when I do my task list for the week, um, I write down people that I'm going to pray for. And I work through it. So it seems mechanical, but honestly there's life in it. And if I didn't do that, I would just would forget to pray for them. But as their pastor... I believe it's part of our calling to pray for our people. And we'd have amazing stories of God answering that prayer. So in conclusion, we're going to minister in a moment, but I want to remind us that we are both shepherds in this room and sheep. We are shepherds and sheep. I'm so glad last year as we were working through the book of 1 Peter, I got to preach on 1 Peter chapter 5 where it speaks about our role as shepherds of the flock that has been entrusted to us. What an incredible thing to have a flock entrusted to our care. And then it goes on and says, but we have a chief shepherd. I'm a shepherd. I want to do it with the very best of my ability. But I'm so grateful that I'm a sheep as well and that there's a great shepherd a chief shepherd, a shepherd over everything. And I've cried so many times, uh, well, my whole life really, not, not in this kind of crying, but proper, proper crying, and this prayer, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best, I'm doing my best, I'm pressing on as hard as I possibly can. In this season, I, I've been praying and saying, God, I don't even know who's still with us. I, I, I don't know which sheep are still at Jubilee. I don't know which sheep, I know that which sheep have really died, um, <laughs> but I don't know which sheep have spiritually died. Fortunately, not too many uh, who really died. I don't know which sheep, 
I don't know which sheep are mal malnourished. I don't know which ones have not been feeding for the past 18 months. I don't know what they've been feeding. They could have been eating all sorts of rubbish in all sorts of places. I don't know what's wrong with those sheep right now. I don't know which sheep have got grave ill diseases that I could have been part of helping sort. I don't really know which sheep are fighting each other. You know, sheep fight each other. I've seen which sheep are fighting each other on Facebook. <laughs> the anti-vaxxers and the vaxxers and the pro-Brexits and the anti-Brexits and the... Man, I'm so sick and tired of all of that. But we don't really know which sheep aren't talking to each other. We don't even want to be in the same pen anymore. I don't know if there are wolves amongst the sheep anymore. I don't know those things. So I cry. Oh, chief shepherd. Chief shepherd. You know what I don't know. Would you shepherd me? And would you shepherd these sheep? that you've entrusted to me. I'm doing everything I can, but I need you to oversee this. That's what I've been praying. He knows his sheep by name. Sheep know his voice. He is the good shepherd. And he knows his sheep, and his sheep know him, and he lays down his life for the sheep. We serve a, a Jesus, a, a, our Lord, who modeled sacrificial love to us. That's why we keep pressing on. We keep loving people. We keep caring for people. We keep shepherding. Can I have the worship team up here? So long, please. You know, we're about planting and strengthening churches, okay? We plant and strengthen churches as a movement, And you and I need to be healthy sheep. We need to be healthy sheep. And we want to shepherd healthy sheep, don't we? That's part of our goal. We want to be healthy sheep, obedient sheep to the chief shepherd. And we want to, in our shepherding responsibility, shepherd healthy sheep. You know what happens with healthy sheep? They reproduce and they create healthy sheep. And so we're a mission, outward-looking movement of churches. We want to see replication. We want to see new life. We need to be healthy. We need to have healthy churches, and we need to trust that there will be reproduction, and we will have other healthy sheep uh, amongst us. Let's close our eyes in prayer. Louise and I, over this uh, season, have found just praying through passages of Scripture as our guide uh, ever so helpful. And um, Psalm 23 has been one of those uh, psalms we've just prayed regularly, regularly um, over this time, uh, just prayerfully. And I want to do that this morning and entrust us again, every one of us in this room, to the chief shepherd, the shepherd of our souls. Lord, you are our shepherd, and we lack nothing. We have everything we need because you are the Lord, our shepherd. And you're a good shepherd. 
and we lack nothing. The Lord, our shepherd, you make us lie down in green pastures. You nourish us and you give us everything that we need to sustain us, to strengthen us, to grow us. You are the one who is able to make us lie down in those green pastures, those fertile places. You lead us beside quiet waters. Lord, we, in the, in the turmoil of what we've been in, we, we long for some quiet waters. You're the one who can lead us beside quiet waters. Thank you that you give us the water of life. Thank you that you and you alone are able to give us everything that will keep life in our bodies. You give us good water and you refresh our souls. And Lord, last night we are so grateful for just that, that time together of just, I felt you refreshing our souls, filling us up, plugging us in whatever metaphors we want to use. You are the one who refreshes our souls. Lord, thank you that you guide us along the right paths. You lead us, you guide us. We can come to you for that. But it is about you and your glory and your namesake. We want to go the path that you take us. So would you show us? Would you lead us? Would you go with us? And we want to make it for you and for your namesake. And Lord, even when we walk through the darkest valley, through the valley of the shadow of a death, we will fear no evil because you are with us. And you are with us. And your rod and your staff, they comfort us. We feel so much protection and leading and guiding. And we love your gentle rebuke, your, your leading, your, your rod and your staff. Thank you that you prepare a table before us. In the presence of our enemies, you anoint our head with oil and our cup overflows. Our cup overflows. Lord, even this morning, even now, pray that our cups would overflow. We'd be so aware of your abundance. Lord, just seeing last night how beautifully Gateway just over-catered, just over-loved us, over-did everything in the most beautiful way, just showing us that they love and they care for us. Oh, you are so much better. You just pour. Tell it overflows. Would you do that in us? Where we're feeding empty, would you just, when we go home this afternoon, may we feel that our cups are overflowing. Tomorrow as we go and minister to our brothers and sisters, as we go home to our families tonight, may we, we feed out of the overflow of what you have done in us. Thank you that this time together has been a time of filling us to overflowing. And your goodness and your love will follow us all the days of our lives. We will never be without you. And wonderful news, Lord, we will be with you forever and ever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen.